44. And um, amen. let's also keep Sister Knight in prayer. She is, amen, not feeling well today. Amen. Let's keep her, many others, amen, not to feeling well. Amen. We're going to keep them in prayer today and let's touch the Lord for them. Amen. Matthew 13, verse 44. Jesus says, again, Actually, we're going to take a moment. We're going to pray for these needs real quick here. I feel to do that. Amen. Amen. If you have a need, would you just stretch your hand up? Amen. You have someone who has a need. Let's pray and bring these to the Lord. Jesus, we come before you by your spirit, by your blood. Lord, we ask you to cover, Lord, every need in this place today. Lord, we pray, Lord God, your hand against sickness, Lord God, to heal it. Men broken hearts today, Lord Jesus. Lord, we pray, Lord God, that you would touch Sister Knight today. Lord, help her get well or touch, Lord God, Sister Barbara Lynn, Brother Tim Tyler, Lord, many others, Lord God, who aren't, Lord, well today. Lord, we pray your healing virtue, your power, Lord God. Lord, touch every knee that's in this place today, Lord God. Heal, restore, mend, make new. Lord Jesus, let us keep our eyes on you, for you are our source of hope and life and victory today. And we give you thanks and praise. And everybody said in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Matthew 13, 44, amen. The Bible says, Jesus said, again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field, the which when a man hath found, he hideth. And for joy, everybody say for joy. Oh, say that a little louder. Say for joy. For joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath and buyeth that field. Proverbs 23, verse 23. Amen. I joke around. I say this is the, oh, uh, verse 23. Sorry if I typed that wrong. Um, I hope I wrote it right on my own notes here. Proverbs 23, verse 23. I call it the one of the Michael Jordans of the Bible, 23, 23. Uh, the Bible says, buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. Again, I want to read that scripture one more time. It's Proverbs 23, 23. Buy the truth. And sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. And my subject, amen, this, this Sunday is simply this. If you love it, you'll buy it. If you love it, you will buy it. Amen. Amen. Let's pray today. Lord, have your way in our hearts. Lord God, minister in this place. Lord, help us to receive the heart and the attitude. And Lord God, the discipline that you want us to receive today. Lord God, let us be all in to what you want to do in our lives. Lord, on a very macro and micro basis, Lord Jesus. Every detail, Lord, every nook and cranny of our lives, every part of our hearts and minds and action, Lord. Let us devote it and dedicate it to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. 
Oh, come on. Somebody shout it. Shout in Jesus' name. Oh, a little bit louder. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's clap our hands mightily unto the Lord and give him praise. may be seated today. I ask that you bear a pastor. I'm feeling under the weather myself. Amen. And so uh, I'm, I'm just doing, you know, waves and elbows and all right. And, and so pray for me today. I'm going to find myself a bed very quickly after this service. Amen. But I'm here and I'm thankful for God's goodness today. If you love it, then buy it. If you love the truth, then you will buy the truth. If you love the truth, you will buy the truth. If you love the truth, then you will be willing to pay a price for the truth. If you love the truth, you'll be willing to pay any price for the truth. Jesus prayed, amen, to the Father in John 17, 17, concerning his disciples. And he prayed this prayer. He said, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. In the scripture, as we leave it there, I mentioned Jesus prayed to the Father. That is simply this, the flesh of God, praying to the Spirit of God, saying, sanctify, sanctify them. Who was he referring to? He was referring to his disciples. He was referring to those who would follow him in the flesh of God, pray to the spirit of God. Amen. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. The word sanctify means to be separated and dedicated for God's holy purpose. It is designed specifically for God's holy purpose. It is precious. It is set apart. It is reserved for a very distinct, unique purpose for the glory of God. Amen. And Jesus prayed for his disciples to be a set apart for a holy purpose through God's truth. Thy word is truth. The word of God, which Jesus prayed to sanctify us, which Jesus prayed would use to designate us and to make us distinct from the rest of the world. The word of God is what separates us from the world. Our faith in the word of God, our obedience to the word of God, our living the principles in the commandments and precepts and statutes of the word of God is what makes us distinct, is what makes us different from the world that we live in. We are not like other men and women of the world who are separated by race, by culture, 
by socioeconomic status and such. Amen. That's not who the church is today. Amen. Just in this very room, amen, there's many diversities of people, many diversities of cultures, many diversities of backgrounds. Amen. And I'm thankful to God today that those differences and those diversities do not separate us today. Hallelujah. But with all of our natural separations and all of our natural distinctions, amen, we as a conglomerate, we as a people, we as a body are separated from God by his word from the world for a holy purpose. For a holy purpose. We are the church of the living God which is separated and sanctified by his word, his name, his blood, and his spirit. Amen. Jesus was talking about the value of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus was talking about the value of the word of God. Amen. The Bible says, amen, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure in a treasure hid in a field that which that when a man hath found it, he hides. He, in other words, it's so precious. He doesn't want everybody to know about it. Stake with me here. The Lord does want us to know, the world to know about the gospel, but this hiding means he's not making it unknown. That's not what the hiding means. It means he preserves it. And for joy thereof goes and selleth all that he hath and buys that field. Jesus is saying this lifestyle is worth buying. Jesus is saying, amen, this carrying of the cross, amen, this walk of discipleship, this making Jesus my hope, my life, my everything is worth buying. Amen, going and selling everything that I have and buying this life with Jesus Christ. The Bible says, by the truth, and sell it not. If you love it, then you will buy it. Let me tell you something. The truth of God's word will cost you. Amen. The gift of eternal life will cost you. I understand that Jesus went to Calvary and shed his blood and paid a price. Amen. Amen. And that salvation is free. Amen. Salvation may be free because we didn't go to Calvary, but discipleship will cost us everything. To follow Jesus will cost you. It will cost you. There's price tags on all kinds of stuff in your life. There's price tags on all kinds of values in your life. There are price tags on all kinds of relationships in your life. Amen. And many times over in your life, God will put relationships on one side of the scale and his truth on the other side. He'll put a possession on one side of the scale and his truth on the other side. And he will ask you and I, what do you love more? What will you buy? Buy the truth and sell it not. You see, God loves us so much that he set us apart. He sanctified us by his word, his name, his blood, and by his spirit. 
Her obedience to God's word separates us unto God and apart from this world. Amen. When we live according to the principles in God's word, we will be different. God's word is holy. God's word is powerful. God's word is transforming. Amen. And so its power and influence in our life makes us distinct from the world around us. You've heard the phrase before, birds of a, of a feather flock together. Amen. My youth pastor used to always say to us, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Show me your five closest friends, and I'll show you where you're going. He drove that home. I don't know if we all took it in, but amen, I, I'll never forget that. Here I am 20 plus years later still saying that. I still believe that. And all throughout every, every season of my life, I'm evaluating who are the closest people in my life. Who are the closest people in my life? What are they about? Where are they going? going what do they desire what are they reaching for in life still why because I want the purpose of God to be fulfilled in my life I want the glory of God to be revealed in my life. I've got one life to live, and I don't want it to be mundane. I've got one life to live on this earth, and I want it to count, and I want it to matter, and I want to do everything that God created me to do. It's going to cost I used to be afraid of the cost. Used to hear testimonies when I was younger of things that people would do for God, things people would sacrifice for God, things that people would surrender up for God. And I used to think, oh, Lord, what is God? what are you going to ask me to do? What are you going to ask me to give up? What are you going to ask me to surrender? Amen. You know, that mindset, while well-intentioned, that means I'm more concerned about the things. I'm more concerned about comfort. Amen. Than the greatest treasure of all. When my life says, doesn't matter, Lord. It doesn't matter, Lord, what you ask for. It doesn't matter, Lord, what you require of me. It doesn't matter, Lord, what you ask me to give up. It doesn't matter, Lord, what you ask me to sell. It doesn't matter, Lord, what you ask me to do. It's all yours. I am all yours. Even if I have to give up control, sometimes that's the thing. That's the thing that's hardest to give up is control. It's the hardest thing to surrender is control. I am not my own. I am bought with a price. That means I don't owe one minute of my life. I don't own one second of my life. Everything that I am, every minute, second of my day belongs to God. I've got to dedicate it and consecrate it unto the Lord so that his glory can be revealed through my life but let me tell you 
Let me tell you, when you give up control, I'm telling you, there's no greater life. You talk about living your best life, you surrender control to God. I'm telling you, you're going to start living your best life like you've never seen in your life. You're going to see glory. You're going to see power. You're going to see miracles, signs, and wonders. You're going to have visions, dreams. God's going to get you involved in his holy purpose like you've never imagined in your life. But you've got to be willing. Somebody say willing. I got to be willing. You know, amen. God may never ask me to sell my house, but I'm willing. God may never ask me to sell my car, but I'm willing. God may never ask me to give the clothes off of my back, but I am willing. Are you willing? If you love the truth, if you love his purpose, then buy it. You'll pay any price for it. And the price is always worth it. I know my price isn't over, but let me just tell you to this point in my life, and I can safely say for what's beyond this point in my life, the price is worth it. The price is worth it. I don't have to psych myself up. I don't have to try to convince myself. I'm telling you, the best days of my life are in the presence of God. In the purpose of God. Sure, there's heartaches, there's pains, there's disappointments. Uh, amen. There's, there's things that you never thought you would imagine you'd see and experience uh, in your life. Uh, but the grace of God, the presence of God, uh, the comfort of God is greater than any trial, any difficulty, uh, anything uh, that can compare. The closeness of his presence uh, is beyond compared to anything in this world. Anything. You see, God wants to separate us. We are the church of the living God, which are separated and sanctified by his word, his name, his blood, and by his spirit. He wants to separate and distinguish us as his people from the rest of the world. You see, it's our obedience to God's word. That separates us unto God and apart from this world. When I say apart, I'm not meaning going to live in a cave somewhere. You never come out of your house. Hey, man, you're a hermit. You know, you know, you haven't seen daylight in 40 years. That's not what I'm talking about. It means that I live based on a different set of values. My eyes are on a different destination. My heart is fixed on a different eternal purpose. That's what it means to be set apart. It means my gauge of how I live my life is not in this world. It's not on the news. It's not on social media. It's not in, amen, the government and what Congress and the House of Representatives say. It's not in any kind of culture. It's not in my upbringing, but my, my gauge for how to live life is in the word of God. And I am totally bought and sold out to the word of God. Church attendance does not separate us. 
Having church friends does not separate us, distinguish us is what I'm saying. Amen. Listening to gospel music does not separate us unto God. However, it is our obedience and submission to God's word and to his will. That is what separates us unto his holy purpose. God is all about separation. From Genesis to Revelation, he's about separation. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. The Bible says with verse 1, in the beginning God created the heaven and earth. Separation. The Spirit of God moved, amen, upon the waters, upon the face of the deep. And then God said, let there be light. He separated the light from the darkness. Amen. The Bible is full of separation. Amen. Of God separating what is holy and pure unto himself. Amen. And separating the chaff away from him the question is what side of separation am I on Jesus separates the disciples from the multitudes I want to say that again here today Jesus separated the disciples from the multitudes. I understand it's a holiday weekend, so to speak, this weekend and next weekend, if you will. I know we're not full attendance today, but every Sunday, amen, what the Holy Ghost is looking for and what this pastor under the influence of the Holy Ghost is looking for in this multitude of people are where are the disciples? Where are the disciples? Where are the Christ followers? Who's going to step out among the crowd and say, Lord, I'm willing to go wherever you want me to go. Matthew 13, 36 through 43, the Bible says, then Jesus sent the multitude away. Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house. And his disciples came unto him. There's a lot we need to learn from that right there. Jesus sent the multitude away. Some of us are looking for Jesus. I know we sing that song. Hey, Amen. He's coming after me. He's coming after me. But when it comes to discipleship, Jesus isn't coming after you. He says, take up your cross and follow me. Not the other way around. He's not chasing disciples. Amen. He's, he sent the multitude away and his disciples came to him. If you could turn me down just a little bit, please. His disciples came to him. You don't have to convince disciples to show up. Disciples just show up. You don't have to convince disciples to sacrifice. They just sacrifice. You don't have to convince disciples to want more. They just want more. Amen. And they show up in hunger and thirst for more. They're willing to do things the multitudes won't do for the sake of the gospel. They went into the house. Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house and his disciples came unto him I'm going to say that Jesus knew exactly what he was doing he wanted to know 
who wants the kingdom. And if Jesus had to convince someone and twist their arm and try to come up with some nice promotional marketing strategy to try to convince somebody to follow them, then they really didn't want it. They really didn't want him. They really didn't want the kingdom. So he went into the house to see who would come and find him. He said to them, declare, they said unto him, his disciples, declare unto us the parable, the tares of the field. He answered and said unto them, he that soweth the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. But the tares are the children of the wicked one. You see this, he's given a description here. You got it? Okay. The field's the world. That's what Jesus is saying here today. Amen. He's talking about the field, the tares of the field. The good seed are the children of the kingdom, God's children, disciples who are pursuing him. But the tares are the children of the wicked one. They're of the enemy. They're influences of Satan, of Satan and of this world. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world and the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of the world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend in them which do iniquity and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. There's going to be tears. There's going to be people in church. You know, we can't compare. This is why our personal walk with God. I, I, we posted that video, the chair, last last Sunday on Facebook. I hope go on there and watch it. Amen. Go on YouTube. YouTube the chair. Terry Shock. YouTube it. People people who have a chair in their life, a place of devotion. Amen. Those are disciples. That's why you can't compare yourself. Well, so-and-so is at church and they're not doing this. Well, my friend, so-and-so at church and they're not living this way. You know, so-and-so at church and I saw them at this place and I saw them at that place and they were doing this and saying that and acting this way. You can't compare your life just because somebody's in the church physically. Do they have a prayer life? Just because they're sitting here Sunday morning doesn't mean they're living a life. I'm not here trying to condemn anybody, but what I'm saying is the Bible tells us that we must work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. You've got to make up in your mind that if the person beside you in the pew is not going to make heaven their home, that you're still going to make heaven their home. That if your whole family stops coming to church, you're still going to go to church. If nobody else in your household is praying, you still have a chair where you pray and you still open the word of God and devote your heart to the word of the Lord and allow him to transform your life. Whether your parents don't serve God, whether your kids don't serve God, whether your spouse doesn't serve God, whether your friends don't serve God, you've got to make up in your mind, come hell or high water, I'm going to make it to heaven. I'm going to please God and dedicate my life because if I love him, I'm going to buy the whole purpose. I'm going to buy the whole journey. I'm going to give myself totally to the purpose of God. The tears, the tears, there's tears, there's tears in every church. Don't worry about who they are, it's not about that. Just make sure you're not a tear. 
right? Don't be looking to zero anybody out. I don't think anyone's doing that, but I'm saying sometimes our human natures, I wonder who pastor's talking about. Forget about it. Don't worry about it. It doesn't matter. As long as you're not the tear. Because the angels are going to gather the tares and cast them into a furnace of fire. It's talking about an eternity away from God in hell where there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. And then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who hath ears, who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Matthew 7, 18, it says, A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. I'm talking about what happens in our private life. I'm telling you, maybe somebody's thinking, Pastor, all you talk about is devotion. All you talk about is devotion every single Sunday. I'm talking about something that's going to save us. If we don't have a devotion life, we have nothing. If you don't have a devotion life, you have nothing. If I don't have a devotion life, I have nothing. I got to look at my life. Where's the place? Where's the time? Where's the place? Where's the time that I meet with God? That I am, that I'm transformed by God. My private devotion is where I can bear fruit. The Bible says a good tree can't produce bad fruit. And a bad tree can't produce good fruit. You know, whether it's a good tree or a bad, bad tree, hey man, it has everything to do on what's on the inside, what's hidden. That's why our private devotion is so important. It's the hidden thing. It's the secret place. It's when we're talking with God throughout every day. It's what, you, you know what you don't see? You don't see most of my week on a day-to-day basis. You know what we don't see? We don't see your week on a day-to-day basis, an hour-to-hour basis. But you do, your family does, God does. You can't base my life and I can't base your life alone based on what we see two hours on a Sunday. But the word says a good tree can't produce bad fruit in time, in time. And a bad tree can't produce good fruit. You know, you know, the, the Kanye's the craze right now. And Jesus is king. And, you know, everybody's asking, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? I'll tell you what I think, and I'll tell you, amen, what Jesus knows. Jesus knows what's going on in that young man's life or that man's life on a private level, on a day-to-day basis. And it's not for me, amen, to judge, amen, what's going on in his life. My prayer for him, amen, is that he'll truly devote himself to God and that there's no, there's nothing to it, but that he's really sincere and really hungry. But what's the the answer, the answer is that it's going to take time, and the fruit will eventually reveal what he's really after. So I'm not on the bandwagon. I'm not against the bandwagon. I'm praying for him. I'm praying for Kanye. I'm praying that he'll, he'll, he'll give himself and devote himself to God, you know, and I'm, I'm praying to get some spiritual leadership in his life. 
That's another sermon for another day. But he needs some spiritual leadership. Amen. Some biblical spiritual leadership in his life if he's serious about being a disciple of Jesus Christ. And with all that said, I believe the church ought to welcome with loving arms not to lead the church. He's not in a place to lead the church. He's not. He's a spiritual infant, if that, okay? Biblically, that's another sermon for another day. But, but, but there's progress, and they're celebrate, and we need to pray for them. But the Bible says a good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. Neither can a corrupt, corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works, and then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. That's Matthew 7, 18 through 23. I never knew you. The great white throne of judgment will be a separation of his bride, the church that Jesus has separated, that he has bought because he loves his bride, the church. The church will eternally enter the marriage supper of the Lamb to be with Jesus forevermore in eternal communion. And there will be a separation of those whom Jesus will say, depart from me. Ye worker of iniquity, you who had your own will, you who were half-hearted, you who went through the motions, you who did not truly devote yourself to me, he's going to say, I never knew you. Be cast in the outer darkness where there is wailing and gnashing of teeth. Would you stand with me today? I want to be on the right side of separation. I want to be on the right side of those pearly gates. I want to hear Jesus say, enter in and not depart from me. what I want to hear. Nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. I didn't say yes to Jesus in 1995 when he filled me with the Holy Ghost to miss heaven.
got to understand here today is we can come to church and miss heaven. We can speak eloquently and no Bible verses and miss heaven. We can go to church all of our lives and miss heaven. We could travel the world for the sake of the gospel and miss heaven. We could give to all kinds of charities and all kinds of noble deeds and miss heaven. Jesus said, many will say in that day we prophesied in your name cast out devils in your name did many mighty wonderful works in your name and Jesus will say depart from me ye worker of iniquity I never knew you you know It's not God's will. We don't read in Genesis that God created hell. Scripture doesn't open up saying God created heaven, earth, and hell. It doesn't say that. God had to create hell when Lucifer and angels fell. God never intended for there to be hell. But when there's a will outside of God's, it's unholy. It's carnal. It's rebellious. And Lucifer was the first to have a will against God. That's why Jesus teaches us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will come be done on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven's reserved for those who live and abide in God's will. God's will is his word. You see, the Lord is telling us today, I want to say this and we're going to pray. James 4, 8 through 10. The Bible says, and thank God the Bible says this, draw nigh to God. Draw nigh to God. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. The Lord is telling us to purify our hearts. You know, when, when, when we see the scripture talking about our hearts, we, we might as well replace it with, with our eyes and ears because our eyes and ears are, to the, are the gateway to our hearts. Proverbs 4.23, it says, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. Uh, if our eyes and ears are pure, then our hearts will be pure. Our eyes and ears are the gatekeepers of the heart. And if we're going to buy, if we're going to buy the truth, I need to have my mind set on one thing. 
If I'm going to make heaven my home, I need to have my eyes and ears set on one thing. And this is making Jesus my choice. Is devoting my life to him. Look, I'll, I'll end with this. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 33, this settles it for everyone who's worried about things. Listen, Jesus is our exceeding and great reward. But he says in Matthew 6, 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What am I living for on a day-to-day -day basis? The kingdom of God and his righteousness. Monday, I know I got to go to work. I know I got to do this. I know I got to do that. What am I seeking? I'm seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I got bills that are due. I got family situations that I, got, I don't have answers to. There's, there's things that I don't know what my future holds and so on. But when I get up in the morning, I, I have all the practical things in my mind. I'm sorting out everything that's happening and I'm trying to add up how everything's going to work out. But, but what I'm going to do first is I'm going to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things will be added unto you. I don't know about you today, but I want to be on the right side of separation. I want to be...